According to the Bible, nobody seeks God. So it's good news that God is able to save you. Our God is not dependent on mankind to save. Jesus said of himself, I came to seek and to save that which was lost. Today, from the pulpit of Moreland First Baptist Church, Brother Eric brings a message from Jonah chapter 1, verses 4 through 16, looking at how God used a disobedient Jonah in the lives of pagan sailors. Verse 4 says, The Lord hurled a great wind on the sea, and there was a great storm on the sea, so that the ship was about to break up. Then the sailors became afraid, and every man cried to his God. And they threw the cargo which was in the ship into the sea to lighten it for them. But Jonah had gone below into the hold of the ship, laying down, and fallen sound asleep. So the captain approached him and said, How is it that you are sleeping? Get up, call on your God. Perhaps your God will be concerned about us so that we will not perish. Each man said to his mate, Come, let us cast lots so that we may learn on whose account this calamity has struck us. So they cast lots and the lot fell on Jonah. Then they said to him, Tell us now, on whose account has this calamity struck us? What is your occupation? Where do you come from? What is your country? From what people are you? Verse 9, he said to them, I am a Hebrew, and I fear the Lord God of heaven who made the sea and the dry land. Then the men became extremely frightened, and they said to him, How could you do this? For the men knew that he was fleeing from the presence of the Lord because he had told them. So they said to him, What should we do to you that the sea may be, become calm for us? For the sea was becoming increasingly stormy. He said to them, Pick me up and throw me into the sea. Then the sea will become calm for you, for I know that on account of me this great storm has come upon you. However, the men rode desperately to return to land, but they could not, for the sea was becoming even stormier against them. Then they called on the Lord and said, We earnestly pray, O Lord, do not let us perish on account of this man's life. Do not put innocent blood on us, for you, O Lord, have done as you have pleased. So they picked up Jonah, threw him into the sea, and the sea stopped its raging. Then the men feared the Lord greatly, and they offered a sacrifice to the Lord and made vows. Let's pray. Father, help us to understand your word today, to understand how it is that you are so mighty to save. We'll pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. May be seated. Now what we need to notice about this text is that at the beginning of the text, these sailors, uh, verse 5 specifically, when this big storm came upon them, they were scared, weren't they? They were afraid. Each man was crying out to his own God. We're saying God there as in little... G, God. So in other words, each sailor on the boat that was headed to Tarshish, they were the kind of man who, they were religious, but they found their religion in a false god. Um, he was a pagan. Each sailor here was a pagan man. So at the end of our text, though, as we read through that, hopefully you saw that all that changed. Now, for those of you who have been coming to Bible study on Sunday nights, maybe 
you picked up on the fact that at least in verse 15, in fact, I think it's seven other times in the scripture we read today, maybe you saw the word the Lord there and noticed that it was in all capital letters. Anytime we see the word Lord in the Bible written in all capital letters, capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D, that's a clue for us to help us to know and understand that in the original language, that was God's personal name, used, Yahweh. So when we see that written like that, we know that that's God's personal name. So in all these eight instances that we see the word Lord here, verses 4 through 16, each time it's in all capital letters, and that tells us that this is God's personal name, Yahweh. We're not just using a generic uh, term like Lord. We're not just referring to some God or to some Lord in general. No, instead we're talking about uh, the specific God of Scripture, the one and only true God of the Bible, Yahweh. And you notice in verse 14 that these sailors, at that point, they're calling on the Lord, aren't they? The Bible tells us that whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved, right? That's Romans 10, 13. And by the end of this, they're calling not just out to a random God, but they are calling on the name of the Lord. Now, they have good theology. They're praying to him. They say at the end of verse 15 that the Lord does what he pleases. Verse 16, it says they feared him. They made a sacrifice to him. They made vows to him. Their lives are completely changed, aren't they? Just from verse 4 to verse 16, they went from pagans to people who are now calling upon the name of the Lord. Now, what I want to know is this. How did that happen? How did it happen that in verse 4, their pagans don't even know about the true God of the Bible, and now in verse 16, they're praying, they're worshiping, they're making sacrifices, they're calling upon his name. How did that take place? Well, here's how it happened. The Lord, Yahweh, he's a big and mighty God, and he does what he pleases, and he is the one who saves. Hopefully you remember I said last week that the key verse to this whole book of Jonah is in chapter 2, verse 9, where it says salvation is from the Lord. We get saved on his terms. Amen. Not ours. Now here's what we're going to see as, as we kind of flesh that out. Salvation happens on his terms. And the first thing we see with this is God can save you even if you have other plans. Amen. God can save you even if you have other plans. Now understand that that's really good news. And that's good news because Romans chapter 3 tells us this. It says, as it is written, there is none righteous, not even one. There is none who understands. There is none who seeks for God. According to the Bible, nobody seeks God. So it's good news that God is able to save you even if you have other plans because according to the Bible, all of us have other plans, right? None of us have factored into our life, hey, I'm going to start seeking after God this day or that day. That's just not on our hearts to do. 
were turned against him. We don't want anything to do with him. None seek after him. So that means apart from a work of God in our lives, there would never be a person who would put God in their plans. A person would never seek out salvation if it were left up to them. So the good news is that God can save you even if you have other plans. Proverbs 19, 21 says this, many are the plans in a person's heart, but it is the Lord's purpose that prevails. Now, Jonah, he had other plans, didn't he? The sailors, they had other plans. Uh, no one had planned for what happened on the ship that day. Jonah, he had a calling from God. God told him to arise and go to the people of Nineveh and to tell them uh, what God had to say. But instead, Jonah got up and he went as quickly as he could in the other direction, didn't he? He got up and instead of going toward Nineveh, he flew as fast as he could in the complete opposite direction and went toward Tarshish. Uh, so he, he worked to find a boat to take him there. He paid money to do it. He was trying to flee from the presence of God. Imagine what he was thinking. He literally had plans to disobey God to the point where he thought that he was going to be able to go to a place where God couldn't find him. But there was nowhere where he could do that. Psalm 139, 7 it asked the question, where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you're there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. And God told him to preach. And Jonah thought he was refusing. But God ended up putting him right where he wanted in order to eventually bring salvation to the sailors here on this ship. God even used the disobedience of Jonah to bring the message of salvation to these men who, who had no intention of hearing anything about the God of the Bible when they woke up that morning. And you notice in verse 5, that on top of that, Jonah, he had plans of taking a nap. That's in some of our plans right now, isn't it? That, that's kind of heavy. We can foresee a nap this afternoon, most likely for a lot of us. Well, Jonah had plans of taking a nap. He thought he would catch uh, some shut-eye there, and then he probably needed it, right? After a long day of being disobedient and running away from God as quickly as he could, that just kind of wears you down, and you get a little bit tired, and you need to sleep a little bit. So he was probably exhausted. He wanted to take a nap. Those were Jonah's plans, but he didn't plan to be in the situation where he and some other people were going to be facing uh, their in, impending death here because of this great storm that God had sent on the water. He didn't plan to be in a situation where he was going to be asked about his faith. He was just trying to get away from the presence of God and mind his own business and then get along through his day. Now, consider here the sailors. They were probably really experienced sailors. They had probably traveled this, this route before and uh, thought that, that, that it would be pretty easy to get from point A to point B. They had been on the waters quite a bit. They knew what they were doing. After all, they made some money from Jonah because Jonah had paid a fare to ride with them. 
They had some cargo with them there on the ship that they were likely delivering somewhere and they were going to make some money uh, from that. So, so they were just going to work for the day, weren't they? They were just clocking in and going to work and going through their day and doing what they've done a hundred times before. They hadn't planned to be in the middle of a storm and talking about God and hearing what somebody had to say to them about God. That, that wasn't on their radar. But yet, God used these very things to bring the message of truth to them. And it wasn't just an ordinary storm. You see, in verse 4, that it says God hurled a great wind on the sea. That, that's a picture of somebody having a, a javelin, and, and they hurl the javelin. So it's the picture of God hurling this great wind, this great storm on the sea. God purposefully throws it right at them. And it's, it's as if God had the storm in his hand and delivered it right in their direction. So this was a mighty storm that they had faced. But the point is this. You can plan whatever you want to do. But it's God who's going to direct your steps. Amen. And God is going to put you where he wants you to be. You may have came here today thinking that you're going to get some church in and then just get along through your day, but it very well could be that God is speaking to your heart today through the truth of his word and, and, and he stands ready to save you from your sin right now, today. Now, I don't know how many of you have um, heard about what people are saying is uh, the revival that has broke out on the campus of Asbury College up in up in Wilmore. It was it's been on a, a little bit of social media, and I think last night LEX18 did a story on it. But but what had happened, and I don't know all the details with it, but what had happened was they had chapel service um, on Wednesday, and then after chapel, some students just stayed after and the. They kept playing music and they just kept singing, kept worshiping, and people just kept coming. People from other states are coming, and anyway, they've been singing songs of praise nonstop now since, since Wednesday, all around the clock. And there are hundreds and hundreds of people and other colleges getting involved, people, like I said, traveling uh, from other states. I had a, a friend that lives around here. He went up there last night to see just what in the world was going on. He said he came back with his heart full because of, of all the worship that was taking place up there. And I would bet that when those students went to school on Wednesday, they didn't get up and plan for that to happen. Right? But when God is ready to do something, he, he's going to do it. Amen. Whether it's in your plan in your schedule or not, God will do what he has decided to do. Now, what you need to understand for yourself is that you're not here today on accident. Amen. You're not hearing the word of God today on accident. God has you here for a purpose. He has you here for a reason. And if you're convinced that God is speaking to your heart right now through the truth of his word, 
then what you need to know is today is the day of salvation. Amen. Trust in Him. God can save you even if you have other plans. Even if you didn't even have it on your radar. God can save you. But we see some more good news as we move through this. Because not only can God save you if you have other plans, but a second thing we see is this. God can save you even if the preacher is bad. Amen. That's real good news for you all here, right? Even if the preacher is bad. Your salvation, thank the Lord, doesn't ultimately depend upon me. If your salvation depended upon me ultimately and how well I could preach or how well I could speak, then I'm telling you, you, you would be in big trouble. You honestly would. Now, God uses different pastors to lead in different ways and to accomplish different purposes, but please understand that your salvation does not depend upon my ability to preach. Neither are you somehow going to get more saved if you were able to hear Billy Graham or Franklin Graham or Adrian Rogers or John MacArthur or anybody like that. God isn't going to save you more uh, because somebody else is preaching now listen, preaching is good, preaching is necessary, preaching is one of the most important things that happens in our lives, but rest assured that God can save you even if the preaching is bad. Now, we've got a great example of that right here with Jonah, don't we? I mean, you talk about a, a, a bad preacher. He didn't want to do anything that God called him to do. He ran the complete opposite direction. He didn't want to preach. He was reluctant. And, and then I wonder, as we read through that, wonder if you picked out any of the details of, of his preaching in the passage here. People were perishing all around him. What was he doing? He was asleep. And look at what had to be said to him in verse 6, if you go back there. Verse 6, it says, So the captain approached him and said, How is it that you are sleeping? Get up, call on your God. Perhaps your God will be concerned about us so that we will not perish. Now, that's, that's really similar to what God has already told him to do, isn't it? God had already told him to, to get up, to arise and, and go preach. Now, here it is, a pagan, a pagan, an unbeliever, telling Jonah to do the same thing. Had to have a pagan tell Jonah to arise and call upon his God. And look at this. The, the pagan captain says, perhaps your God will be concerned with us so that we will not perish. Imagine a preacher with someone facing death around them and the preacher doesn't care enough about them to tell them, number one, yes, God is concerned with you. And number two, you don't have to perish. That's our John 3, 16 passage, right? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. All the preacher has to say is, hey, God will save you. You don't have to perish. Trust in Jesus. Trust in him and you'll have everlasting life. But Jonah hadn't said anything of the sort. Amen. Now, here's what he had told them, though. If you look in verse 10, if you look kind of in the middle of that verse, verse 10, you'll see what it reads. 
It says, for the men knew that he was fleeing from the presence of the Lord because he had told them. Now imagine that. He hadn't told them about God's compassion. He hadn't told them about God's judgment. He hadn't told them about God's holiness. He hadn't told them about how to not perish. He hadn't told them anything like that. But he did find time to tell them, hey, I'm running away from God. That doesn't add up very much for a preacher, does it? Now in verse 8, they ask him some questions. They ask you know, who, who he is, where he came from, what's his occupation, things like that. And then here we finally get a sermon from Jonah. You look at verse 9 and this sad, pitiful sermon from the reluctant preacher summed up in one verse. After being pretty much begged to say something, he said to them, I'm a Hebrew. I fear the Lord God of heaven who made the sea and the dry land. So finally, he speaks some truth about who God is. He gives him his name. You see again, though, there are those capital letters, L-O-R-D. So he tells them about Yahweh, the great I Am. You see that Jonah proclaims that he's the God of heaven who, who made the sea and the dry land. So here they are in the midst of this hurricane or, or whatever it was. And finally, the sailors get word that the God who made the sea that they were on and the God who made the dry land that they were hoping to get to, this is the God of the man who's in the boat with them. He wouldn't even tell, tell them about it. Jonah wasn't much of a preacher, was he? He didn't want to do it. He wasn't concerned with anyone. He was more concerned with getting a nap than he was people who were around him on the brink of perishing, crying out for help. And when he finally did speak, he didn't have a lot to say, did he? But here's the good news. The salvation of these sailors didn't depend upon how good Jonah was. Their salvation depended upon how good God is. Amen. And we remember that at the end of this passage, remember, they're calling upon the name of the Lord. They're sacrificing. They're making vows. They were saved despite having a bad preacher among them. Now, that's, that's great relief to me. And honestly, it always has been. Because that's helped me to understand I'm just a mouthpiece. It's not within my ability to save you. Amen. I can't do that for you. I can't preach long enough or hard enough to save you. I don't have that ability. What I do is preach and tell you about Jesus. I pray for you. But I can't save you. Amen. And even if me or anyone else, even if we're not the best preacher, if it's God's intention to save you, then I promise you, he's going to find a way to get the truth of his word to you and save you. So God can save you even if you have other plans. God can save you even if the preacher is bad. Finally today we see this. God can save you, and this is important, even if you don't understand every detail. Amen. 
God can save you even if you don't understand every detail. When someone gets saved, it's rare that they understand too much more than the fact that Jesus is a great Savior and, and they're a great sinner. Amen. Sometimes that's the extent of all people know when they're saved. That's okay. I got going back to Randy and what he shared last week. He was sharing his testimony with us last Sunday night. And he talked about how when he was saved, he didn't understand everything that was going on. He just knew that he needed to have what, what Jesus had to offer. That, that's all he knew. And I think that's the reason that so often when people are first saved, they, they often speak in terms of, of being so emotional and things that they don't understand the fullness of what's going on. They just know that God's doing a work in their lives and they're trusting Jesus and turning from sin. And, and honestly, that, that's hard to put into words other than just summing up the emotion of it, isn't it? But what you've got to understand today is this. You don't have to wait until you understand every single detail in order to come to Christ. Amen. That's not how it works. I want you to think of the thief on the cross. When Jesus was crucified, the thief was crucified next to him. That thief probably didn't understand about the Trinity. He, he probably didn't understand much about predestination or end times or, or sanctification. What did he understand that day? He understood that Jesus was dying on a cross. He understood that he was at the mercy of Jesus. He understood his sin. And he understood that Jesus was suffering unjustly. And he asked Jesus that day to remember him when he came into his kingdom. And guess what? He was as saved as any of us ever will be. Amen. That's really similar to the sailors here in Jonah chapter 1. They knew that the God Jonah served was the God who created the land and the sea. But I wonder, did you pick up on the picture of the gospel that they saw? Think about what was happening here. They were in danger. They were in danger because of sin, specifically. Jonah's sin had brought this upon them. They were about to perish. They were scared, trying to figure out a way to not perish. And then what did they see? They saw Jonah say, Pick me up, throw me into the sea, and the sea will become calm for you. Now let me rephrase that in more gospel terms. Jonah said, let me die for you so that God's wrath will be turned away. Amen. Jonah likely wasn't meaning to, but what Jonah did was he gave them a picture of the gospel. He showed them a small picture of the future and what Jesus was going to come and do for you and for me and for those sailors. Jonah offered to give up his life 
Now, granted, he, he may not have even had the best intentions. It seemed like he would have rather died than preach. But nonetheless, Jonah offered to give up his life in order to save these sailors from the storm, which was the wrath of God. And by him doing that, what happened to those sailors? They, they got to see a glimpse of the fact that Jesus was going to come and willingly give up his life as a sacrifice in order to save you and me. And so what they did is they picked up Jonah in verse 15. They threw him into the sea and the sea stopped its raging. And as a result of that, as a result of them seeing this picture of Jesus through Jonah, here's what it says in verse 16. Then the men feared the Lord greatly and they offered a sacrifice to the Lord and made vows. So you see what happened here. They saw the sacrifice. They saw the wrath of God turned away and that led them to fear Yahweh, to fear the Lord, to fear the maker of the sea and the dry land and to worship Him. Join us next Wednesday for the third sermon in the Jonah series. God is able to save part two. May the Lord be with you and all that you do this week.